0: Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ, and today we have season three, episode number 17, and I'm actually going to do a rebroadcast. Um, in season two, I interviewed Jay Hernandez of the Orlando Magic, and we talked about skill development and his philosophy and, and just kind of about his journey. But now, Jay, at this present moment, is actually an assistant coach for the Charlotte Hornets. So um, we're going to get into it. I'm going gonna, gonna play to this, play this rebroadcast and just so you can kind of hear, like I said, about his journey and what he do and what he, what he agrees with, what he doesn't agree with. Um, but I think this is really, really informative. You're going to get a chance to learn about some skill development from, a, from an NBA coach that actually started at the, at the local level and then worked his way up to the highest level. So this is the uh, rebroadcast of, a, of an interview I did with Jay Hernandez of the Charlotte Hornets. Coach, are you ready to drop some knowledge for everyone that's listening today?
1: I'm going to try, definitely. (laughs) I appreciate you having me on.
0: That's no problem. I appreciate you being here. Uh, Why don't you give everybody that's listening a little bio about yourself. Tell them how you got started in skill development and how you worked your way to uh, being an assistant coach with the Orlando Magic.
1: Yeah, I've um, I've been involved with working with players, Back since uh, 1998, I was actually playing college basketball at uh, Hofstra University in uh, Long Island, New York, uh, under Coach Jay Wright, uh, who's currently with Villanova now. And uh, we had a good team. You know, we had a couple guys that went pro, and I was fortunate while in college um, to start assisting my father, who was actually doing some basketball training um, at a local uh, facility, basketball facility. And at the time, basketball training in New York you know, really wasn't a thing and, uh, you know, really was something that a lot of people didn't understand at that time. You know, a lot of guys in New York, uh, you know, have that bravado, that cockiness, like, and you know, I'm already nice. What do I need somebody? Mm-hmm. What am I going to pay somebody to trade me for? Um, you know, so it was something that was, that was different. So early on, it was, uh, happened to be a lot of kids that, uh, parents had money, you know, that understood, um, uh, you know, what it was to have a pitching coach or, you know, a, a boxing trainer or whatever the case may be that, that that can help people with their skill level. And, uh, so that, that's kind of how it started. I was just helping out my dad and, and, um, I had a little reputation in the area. We had gone to the uh, NCAA tournament and, uh, there was a buzz about what we were doing at the college level. So, um, it helped me, uh, gain the attention of the younger kids and I just enjoyed it. And then as time progressed, I started getting my own clients and, um, you know just started figuring out what what were the best ways to uh to teach these uh these young players you know and and since a lot of them had a hard time you know with uh you know being able to make moves or or do things in a game you know we broke it down to to the basics and and said all right can we break down um you know your footwork without the basketball can we uh come up with uh basically techniques that will help you you know in knowing when to use certain moves and then also breaking down stuff with terminology um, just like you have in school. So we had certain things, certain packages that had terminology attached to it. And uh, we saw kids getting better. And, and just really from there, you know, people would see me work on these side baskets. Um, and, uh, you know, as games were going on, and they'd start coming over and saying, Yeah, so, you know, I've been coming here for a few weeks, saw what you did, and I'd like to get my son involved. And, you know, it just really progressed rather quickly from there. Um, as I got out of college, um, I started thinking about what I wanted to do and uh, I ended up taking a job at Hofstra then I ended up going to pharmaceutical sales for two years uh, with the Johnson & Johnson company but what was happening was uh, more of my time was being uh, uh, taken over by, by basketball training and I was finding myself trying to get out of work early you know spending my Saturdays and Sundays doing all day working and uh, I talked to my wife and said listen I think this is what I want to do full time And Ended up going to play in Puerto Rico. Um, I'd done a few seasons there. I went there and played, and I knew when I came back I'd had some some summer camps and things um, that also had set up, and then I figured we had about a six month window to to try to make it work uh, full time, and so it was definitely a. Uh, Something that was a calculated risk. I was I was fortunate to have a wife that that was uh, backing me on that because I basically took a hit, a big hit, you know, going from a from a job that was very stable, um, you know, gas card, uh, car, you know, commission, salary, you know, you name it. It was it was uh, a good situation, and I said, you know what, I I don't feel like that's me. I wanted to do basketball full time, and it, it afforded me the opportunity. To, uh, to say that when people came this is this is who I am, this is what i 'm about, and if you need me to come work with you in Philly at eight o'clock in the morning i 'll be there you know so it was it was something that uh I took very seriously, and luckily, I never had to look back so yeah. you know that's where we are yeah.
0: and and that tells and and that shows your passion you know for um I think some of the the better coaches are the ones that are really passionate about it you know you you took a chance. But you knew this is something that you wanted to do. And I was in somewhat of a similar situation um, with with my training. But, you know, it's you know I've actually uh, kind of followed you for a while. Um, I remember seeing some of the, the things that you were doing with uh, um, Wally Zerbiak back in the yeah. day. And so uh, then went on to Kimball Walker and, and, and things like that. So um, I've always been... I've always admired what you've done. I've liked what you've done. So that's why I was really, it. really wanted to get you on to kind of pick your brain and, and, and share some of your information with, um, uh, with my audience. So coach, let's get right into it. Um, the first question I have is what's your definition of skill development and how important is it to the game of basketball? Uh,
1: my, my definition of skill development are basically skills that, that you develop, you know, um, Off-court, you know, uh, not only basketball-wise, but obviously movement-related, things of that nature. You'll hear me talk a lot about movement, Um, but uh, I just think it's uh, skills that you develop that can help you on court, uh, not only for yourself, but, you know, to help your your team overall win, you know, so that to to me is really the ultimate in in skill development. It's got to be applicable skills that that you can utilize in games that, that help you, you know, become a better basketball player and help your team win.
0: Yeah, game relevant is is really important. I'm sure you've seen a lot of different stuff. Um, I've seen it. Um, people that really put together drills is, that really can't translate over in, in, into a game situation. Um, I, I try to tell players and coaches a lot. Just you know, just because you see something that looks really cool, you know, you got to figure out a way of how we can apply to a, to a game situation. How can you take this skill and and make it to where it could be relevant? uh to the player or for that player in a game situation so is yeah that a, and that's no go ahead. go ahead no you go ahead
1: yeah no I was just I was gonna say you know from from that standpoint um it's true you know you got to understand why you're using certain drills and what kind of progressions um you're doing within those drills to to lead it up to you know being able to to get your shot off quicker um or to be able to blow by a defender you know so there's definitely uh you know drills that are specific. Like you know, as time progressed, um, you know I still do some some unique things. But um, there were definitely I was doing a whole lot more. You know, two ball, three ball type stuff. You know, I would say, 14, 15 years ago than than I do today. But um, you know now with some of the stuff that I do, it's uh, to try to get my players to understand this is a challenge. Um, that we're trying to get you to, to get past so because it's going to help you with hand-eye coordination, your, your ball dexterity, whatever the case may be. So I love the two-ball juggle drills for the sake of being able to catch and throw and then eventually taking you into the freeze pull-up series. So, so, you know, good progressions there. And then within that, you know, we talk a lot about thinking and drilling. And I think a lot of times what guys do, they're used to just using cones. And so they'll do a bunch of variations, you know, three between cone, you know, between between behind, next cone. And it's good because they're getting a lot of reps, but uh, there's no aspect of actually thinking and drilling, and uh, that's that's important to me as well. You know, from a youth level all the way up to the pro level, because the biggest biggest differentiating factor, you know, is is the mindset. You know, how quick you can read and react. You know, see situations. So, um, you know, we try to incorporate a lot more of that as well.
0: Yeah, because um, I know sometimes I may see a drill, and it may seem a little bit different to me. But what I what I've told Tell coaches on this podcast is sometimes you don't you don't really know the reason behind that drill you know right um, it's it's easy for for me to go on youtube and and see a drill and say oh man this drill is really cool this is really good i want to incorporate that drill but i know that um from from a from a professional standpoint especially with like certain players nba players you know, you know that player's skill set. You know exactly what they need to work on. You know exactly what, they, what areas they need to improve in. So when you're doing a drill, it's specific for that player. And I think a lot of times, you know, coaches will see that and they just want to copy that drill instead of really looking at yeah. and evaluating and saying, "Okay, I see what this person is doing, but you know, can I actually really use this drill with my bigs or with my point guards or with my wing players?"
1: Uh, yeah, without a doubt, and that's the thing. It's um, you make a good point, and it comes down to the drills and also the equipment that you use. It's uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of times. Uh, you know, I remember when I had my business, um, people would ask me, "Well, oh, this this train over here has the Vertimax, and you don't have the Vertimax." And you know, I, I think the piece of equipment is great, but if somebody's mm-hmm. only coming in to me one time a week. Uh, you know, and we're doing an hour. It's supposed to be skill development. I, I'm not putting your kid on a 30-minute vertimax session, right? Uh, <laughs> and then getting you on a court to do something. You know, it's just, to me, right. it's, it's defeating the purpose of this skills because the kid can't make a layup. You know, or <laughs> they, yeah. they don't have, you know, the proper technique to get their shot off. So, you know, I would always explain that, like, you know, you're here for a reason. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. there's other people that have different pieces of. A- equipment that, that's great for them i'm gonna tell you why i don't have that equipment and i've always been um you know big on being able to uh utilize what i can with the time that i have and that, that's important you know it's just just because something is cool from a drill standpoint or a piece of equipment standpoint you know if sometimes you feel like you're being left behind because i'm not doing this or that but there is something to be said for you know getting kids the uh the basics of uh, basketball and being able to do certain things because if they can't do those then you know the other stuff serves no purpose for you you know it's uh if you got a 40 inch vertical um we get you up to 40 and a half and you can't make an open jump shot you know you might right. as well go do back field. <laughs> right right uh-huh. so we see a lot of different things with with skill
0: development uh some good some bad is there one thing that you would like to change or improve about skill development
1: uh, you know, it is. obviously there's, um, yeah, that, what I'm excited about now about skill development is that it's, uh, it's come a long way. You know, like I said, from when mm-hmm. I started, you know, people were like, why, why, why do I need that to probably five years after people asking me, seeing a player and saying, well, where do they train? You know, trying to figure out, you know, what, what kids are doing and, and, mm-hmm. and what NBA guys are doing type, type stuff. So that's cool. Uh, seeing it at the NBA level. Earl Watson who uh obviously played the game, you know, was in uh the D League and then was a uh, player development coach just last year, he got promoted to interim head coach and now he's now he's taken over. Uh that's great to see that pathway. It's great to see Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn, you know, mm-hmm. who was a great player in Europe and um you know, had a great reputation for developing talent and players and uh and now he's a head coach. So similar to what we saw with Spolstra and, and other coaches going through the film room um, and getting their, their recognition that way, I think now player development's getting more uh, of a reputation for guys who know how to relate to players and, um, you know, can see the game, you know, from a lot of different, different, you know, avenues. And, uh, that's exciting to me because I think for a while there, it got to a point where, um, at the NBA level, it was more of a stepping stone position,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: kind of a glorified rebounder or holding position for guys to get to, you know, the coaching ranks and, right. uh, you know i think now you know me me coming into orlando a few years back i was like all right i want to expand that role you know whatever that role is in orlando i want to go in and do some things that are that are different unique from from my experiences of of uh, running my own business and, and being an entrepreneur for for so many years um so from that standpoint it's great um you know i would say from a skill development standpoint, I think what we're talking about is like guys just, um, you know, kind of going on social media and just showing the same thing uh, mm-hmm. over and over again, and and copying it. And then the other thing is with that is in the coaching ranks, what what's done all the time is there's this credit for for certain things. So if you see certain right. things, you know, you kind of say, hey, you know, I got this from Coach K, you know, and people are okay saying, that. I got this from Coach Wright. Or, whatever the case may be, you know. So there's certain, I think, unique things that that have come up over the years. I think that's one thing where, from a training standpoint, I think it's it's good to say, hey, I've I got this drill from, from such and such, and, you know, uh, this is, you know, what it does, or this is, uh, you know, how it helps you improve, which is great. Um, you know, I'd like to see, you know, a little bit more of that, and I'd like to see more, I, I think, continuity from a standpoint of, uh, you know, t- trainers maybe sharing that information or sharing,
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. You know, having, having some kind of, uh, it's, it's a, it, I don't want to say certification or anything like that because I think there's a lot of guys that license out what they do and you know, I think there's some, some really, really good trainers, but I think the problem that, um, I think skill development has, um, from our standpoint, is, is you know, people look at it and say, well, it's kind of like an unregulated industry. You right. know, it's an industry right. where anybody can do it. Anybody who ever picked up a basketball and, and you know, can do a couple of flashy moves now is a is a basketball trainer. So, I think that's where, um, you know, I'd like to see the level continue to get raised. I'm excited that more and more people see it as an avenue to, uh, you know, to hopefully make money and, and see it as a career. But, you know, on the flip side, I don't want it to get watered down either. You know, because I think there's been so much headway made. Yeah,
0: and the, and the comment you made about the about the certification is is you you hear that a lot because there's so many people, like you say, if you play basketball, if you, even if it's just through middle school, and you you know a couple of moves, you can throw up a cheap website and make some flyers, and next thing you know, you're you're doing basketball training. Um, so it would be nice to be able to have something. Um, you know, and I guess it had to come from from somebody who's way smarter than I am to figure that out. But you know,
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, so I think and I think it could be could be uh, you know USA basketball because you know again it's um, everything's affected right if if it's mm-hmm. not done properly at the grassroots level you know it right. ends up affecting you know uh, each level like college and pro yeah so I think it's important um, potentially for whether it's uh, Team USA you know the USA uh, national team, you know, NBA, you know, college, you get everybody involved at the higher levels and then, right. you know, be able to bring in independent trainers, you know, like yourself to come in and, and share their experience. I think it's it's got to be a wide range, you know, that way uh, you can put a curriculum in place. And, and that's not to be said, you know, that that to me doesn't mean that you don't, you know, uh, have your individuality and and bring your own flavor to to what you're trying to do, but I think it, it's definitely helpful. You know, if you can put a package together where people understand, you know, all the rules, you know, uh, from from each level and understand the terminology. So if you're trying to get somebody from high school to college or college to the pro, you know, what what are what are some of the, the terminology? Because I know I, I learned a, a whole lot when I when I first got into the league, and uh, it took me a, a little bit of time, you know, to kind of make that adjustment. So I think it's it's important to you know, have all those facets and all those different backgrounds kind of mesh together to to put a curriculum together that says, "Hey, this is this is just a framework, but if you you've studied this and you know, just like people who get their CSCS certification, um, you know, different things where they they really have to study, they have to uh, you know take take a written test, they have to do you know the actual physical stuff, and you know, they also um, you know have to you know, uh, basically stay accredited and, and continue to, you know, do things and take horses over the, over a year or two, you know, to keep them on track with, you know, everything that's going on, then, then I think that's important as well. You know, I just, uh, you, you see the different facets in, in terms of what's going on in Europe, what's going on here. And mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a lot to be said about both. You know, I, I, I don't we still have the best players in the world and you know mm-hmm. the uh you know, the best team in the world and so I you know, I know a lot of people make a big deal about the European players are coming in here and, and you know, doing what they're doing and and it's great, you know, it's, it's the game is global now so I think it's uh but it doesn't mean that What's going on isn't right here in the states either, you know I know there's some flaws, but mm-hmm. you know there's, there's still a reason why we have the best team and the best players. I just think it's uh I think we can learn now from what's going on there as well you know it's not uh you know they they've taken a lot from us and I think it's just that you know being able to collaborate and say, okay well you know maybe they're not pigeonholing kids who are happen to be five ten you know twelve years old and, and put them on the block and, right. and never right. develop their skill set and the kid ends up being six one so yeah. you know, yeah. I think it's, you know, those are the kind of things I think where I do a much better job in terms of spacing flow and passing and moving and, uh, not pigeonholing kids based on height, you know, in Europe. But, you know, from a standpoint of individual skill development, I think, uh, you're seeing, you know, that uh, they're starting to embrace that as well. And uh, a lot of the guys that I've had over the years, whether it was through pre-draft or even on our, our current team, you know, it's something that uh, a lot of those guys aren't used to is, is, you know, having that one-on-one attention and, and saying, hey, this is how, you know, we're going to pick up the ball, you know, to get into your shot. This, you know, we're going to change the line here, here. we're going to do this. And it's, it's something unique for them as well when, when they get that. So I think when you couple both of those things together, um, you know, you can have a, a deadly combination.
0: So we hear a lot about skill development in the off season. You know, we tell players all the time, you know, players are made in the summer. Uh, but discuss how important skill development is uh, during the end season. How it's important for players to to keep their skills sharp, to stay on top of their game. what you know how much how they should get in the extra shooting and, and and things like that. And I know in season uh, skill development is not going to be the same as off season. But just kind of discuss how important it is for maybe even the youth player down at the high school level for the college players and even at the pro level.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's truly important. You know, it's, uh, you know, when I, like I said, when I had my, my business in New York, it was, it was, we called them maintenance workouts and, uh, we wanted players to, uh, you know, not, not take that time off, you know, to say, okay, well, I'm practicing five times a week or four times a week playing twice a week. And, um, you know, I'm not going to have any, time to basically devote to my skills so we tried to make it that on an off day you know we would just do maintenance workouts and, and if there was something that was bothering them uh if there was something that uh um, you know maybe they had a hard time with you know breaking a press break uh, you know um yeah, shooting you know anything that that maybe they feel like all right I, I need to do better next time when i see that team or you know when i face that situation we, we would try to go over it um, obviously just keeping your handles tight and, and your shot sharp, you know, so that, like I said, once you're in season, it, it's geared towards, you know, what the team needs to get done. And so I think a majority of uh, teams and coaches, you know, do not spend a lot of time on just individual skill work, you know, it becomes more team-based uh, drills, layups, and, you know, different uh, passing drills into, you know, whatever you, you need to work on, you know, from a team standpoint. So I think it's important that, uh, you know, players get in, um, whether it's a half hour, you know, like even at our level, it's we're constantly traveling. Um, you know, there's a lot of games and and we when we're practicing, so we we try to get guys into a routine of of coming in, you know, half hour before. Uh, Practice starts to get whatever they want to get in, you know, whether it's just back-to-the-basket stuff, uh, free throws, you know, different things like that. And we we obviously have access to the guys a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But uh, we just try to figure out where guys are, you know, in terms of how they're feeling and, um, you know, some areas that we can focus on. And it's not just, you know, on court. It's, you know, obviously being able to watch film with guys, you know, break down some of that stuff and say, hey, here, you know, take a look at these last, you know, five clips, you know, of the game. Where you are, you know where your spacing is, things like that that can help them you know in terms of overall skill development, I think that's that's part of it as well, you know, so we said the off court stuff is important for them you know to look at and to understand you know what you know what 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 might arise for for them coming into the next situation, how they're gonna guard the pick and roll um you know what what openings you might have, what plays that we might be running that might work best for you against that matchup or against that team. Um, so, yeah, uh, to me, being able to stay sharp, um, maintain everything that you worked on in the off season, it becomes a lot more concentrated, you know, at that point. So you know, what we try to do in the off season is really focus on overall skills and not, not necessarily box in, you know, okay, we're going to focus just strictly on a one dribble pull-up for the next, you know, six months. But we try to get you know develop overall skills, and then we start to hone it in as we start to get into training camp. Once we start getting um, you know the actual plays that we're going to be running, things of that nature, then we start you know designing the workouts to fit you know where players are going to get shots on the court, you know what their role is going to be throughout the season, and then once they're in season, it becomes you know uh, basically trying to adjust to you know, how they're playing, what their role is, and, and, you know, what we need to get accomplished. So, you know, it's definitely adjustment periods for each time of the year, just like you would adjust uh, the level of intensity or conditioning that you do based on what time of year you're in.
0: Yeah, and I think with technology now, with with services like a huddle and crossover for the youth coaches, uh, being able to see, and youth coaches and high school coaches, uh, being able to, to use film as a way to help with, with your skill development is, is really big. So just like you were saying, you know, if you can show your players a few clips, uh, show them some things that some some areas they need to work on, and then you can go out and spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes on tightening up those skills, uh, that'll really help during during season. Uh, I, I try to get players to understand, you know, when you're coming in, like you say, you have four or five practices a week, you're playing once or twice a week, you know, we don't need to come in and have a, a long, hard, drawn-out individual one-on-one or small group session. We just need to tighten some things up, keep you sharp. Uh, so you, number one, you you won't overwork yourself, um, and and just kind of keep things keep things going and, and and keep it sharp. So, what advice would you give players and and parents and coaches when it comes to to skill development?
1: Um, in terms of uh I would say uh I'll start with coaches or, or even trainers uh since it's a skill development podcast i going must say for trainers I think it's important one of the major things that uh from each level would be to to see if you can have some kind of level of communication with with coaches that actually dictate playing time you know and and, and be able to see exactly what they think the player needs and and be a resource to that coach uh, I think a lot of times it becomes a situation where you know, coaches uh, end up not liking you know certain trainers because they just don't know what they're doing. You know, or players are coming in and say, "This is what I've been working on with my my trainer." You know, and I've been paying X amount of dollars for the last six months, and you know, I've, I've got that step back down, coach. You know, and <laughs> coach is looking at it like, "No, I don't. I don't need that." You know, yeah, so it's. Right. I think it's. You know, I think. Um, I, I don't think it should. You know, depending on what a coach is looking for it shouldn't deter trainers from doing what they do because trainers are looking out for the best interest of that player to to be an overall better player, you know not just to be stuck into a role you know but eventually you know coaches are the ones dictating playing time, so mm-hmm. they're they're the ones that are ultimately i guess right you know from a standpoint of uh you know you're going to have to do what you need to do to get on the court for them so I think that I think that that's helpful you know as uh as I got uh as I started getting more and more players. I was able to, you know, start talking to guys in the NBA about what they wanted to see from their players over the summer if they were working out with me, and you know, I think that was uh, just helpful for me, you know, to develop relationships, and then it was helpful for me to to see what they were thinking about, and I could have a a good conversation with that that player and say, okay, well, coach is looking, you know, for these things. Let let's start to incorporate these one or two things throughout these workouts and then we're going to continue to develop in these areas as well, you know? And, uh, I think when you have the, those lines of communication open, I think it just helps everybody. Um, you know, from parents, I would say, you know, just, you know, let, let the kid enjoy themselves. If they're enjoying training and they want to go to train, I would say spend your money, um, you know, and then let them, let them, let the trainers do their job. I think that relationship that a trainer and a player can build is, is really special. And, uh, I think it should be an area where a player feels comfortable, you know, being honest with the trainer, uh, feels comfortable making mistakes without having mom or dad sit there, you know, and barking from the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I think, you know, I think that's a a big thing, and I think even with my daughter who who plays now, um, you know, I've I've been ultra laid-back with her, I think, from what I've seen over the years, um, because I just didn't want to be that parent that that forced their kid to do anything. I wanted Mm -hmm. them, if they were going to decide to do something, it has to be 100%. I don't care what it is. Uh, So I think it's important for for parents to, you know, once they they have that trust that, okay, this is somebody that I'm going to invest in, you know, for, for my kid. And um, and then let them do their job. So I think that that's very important, you know. And it goes for for everything. And I think once parents figure that out, I think you're going to see, um, you know, players blossom that much more. I think they can reach optimal potential, you know, when when that's the case. Um, and then from from a player standpoint, I think it's important for them to to put it all together. Like I said, to to be able to. It's hard to, but to be able to self-assess uh, situations, you know, where they are um, from a standpoint of. You know, their team, playing-wise, AAU, high school, um, what they're trying to accomplish, and, and, you know, if their work is matching up with, you know, the goals that they have in mind. You know, I think uh, a lot lot of people would always, a lot of players would always say, well, I want to go here. And, uh, you know, I would say, okay, well, you're going into your junior year. Have you had any conversations or calls, you know, from anybody at the low D1, mid-major D1? And no, I haven't. Right? Have you had anything from D2? Nope. Any D3? Yeah, I've talked to three or four coaches. You know, so I think players need to understand where they are in that scope. You know, just because you know you think you can play somewhere doesn't mean that that's that's what's going to happen. So true. I think true. being able to assess. Um, I always tell our players because we had some outstanding players that just weren't being recruited who I felt were low D1 or, or felt that were. A Division two player that weren't getting the looks, and I was trying to help them out, help them out. But you know, uh, I always tell them it's not about uh, the level of play; it's a level of player. You know, I have played, yeah. you know, some of the best players I played against or played with happen to be Division three All Americans, who in my mind would have been fine playing, you know, at any level. Um, but it just, is just a numbers game and sometimes guys, you know, they develop later in life or mature. So I think um, it's important for people to understand, players to understand that, you know, and then not take it, um, you know, to, to, to a point where, you know, they're looking at you like, well, I thought you thought I was, you know, going to be a Division Two or Division One player and get a scholarship. And, you know, I may believe that, but, you know, it's, it's what's happening out there when you're playing, you know, and, and what certain people are seeing. So I think it's important for players to be able to, assess where they are, um, you know, and and decide is this something that I want to continue to do. And if it is, I can't just work out with TJ once a week and think that's enough, you know, because it's really the time that you take on your own, you know, and and say, okay, I learned this this week. I want to keep applying that because it's very easy to see uh, when you do something within a minute, players can figure out the pattern and they start to get better. Mm-hmm. all right so if you take that one minute and you you do that over the ne- course of the next week on your own then a week later you should be a lot better at that drill but if you're coming back and, and then you look the same then you know that that kid just doesn't have you know what it takes to really get to the highest level right. because they're, they're just not investing their own time they don't have that passion you know to, to get better on their own and that, that's that goes for everything you know if you're going to get vocal lessons and you're not singing in the shower or you're not you know creating your own music then you know how passionate are you really about it so i think that's that's important for players to understand too is like all right let me let me look in the mirror and say okay am i doing everything that i need to do to get to that level and if you're not working out on your own on top of you know going to your train on top of you know figuring out what what coach wants and then knowing the plays inside and out um, really studying the game, then you're you're going to fall short of whatever that goal is for yourself. So um, I think that's that's truly important for, for players uh, at every level, you know, to be able to look at it and, and say, okay, am I preparing myself? Am I uh, diligent in what I'm doing, you know, to have the, uh, not only skill sets, but overall the attributes, you know, because, uh, you know, again, I, I talk about my daughter, she's 5'5". Five, five, you know, I can find 5'5 five, five anywhere, you know, that's that, <laughs> I can go to Connecticut, Jersey, you know, Montana. So I was trying to say, like, what? What do you? What's going to be the differentiating factor for you? If, if we had a football field filled with players that were all five five, like, how would a coach just pick you from a crowd? And uh, you mm-hmm. know, basically, what what's going to have to happen is um, you can't be, you know, subpar in everything. Anything you have to, you know, attitude has to be, you know, top level. You know, your mm-hmm. grades have to be top level. Um, you know, your effort has to be top level. Your toughness, your confidence. You know, and then you start talking about your skill level and, and what you bring to the court. So, but if you if she falls short in any of those areas, then she's done. You know, because they can find somebody who has you know a 90 average compared to your 70 average, and they don't have to worry about you being ineligible. Right. You know, things like that. So, you know, I think that's for most players who aren't freak athletes, who aren't you know six nine, six ten, that that are surefire. You know, you're looking at you know you can't, you, you have to make sure that each area is, you know, up there at the top. Otherwise, you know, again, you're, you're, you're you're shrinking your window, you know, that much shorter, that much smaller.
0: Yeah. That, that, that is some really, really good advice for, for the coaches, trainers, players, and parents. And and I try to echo some of those same things to, uh, especially to the players and parents that I interact with and work with and, 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 train. So, Um, it's good to hear that, um, those same things, uh, coming from you. So on the youth level, what skills should the coaches and players really concentrate on, um, that you feel that will benefit them more as, as they continue to go into the high school and, and those that, that are fortunate enough to get into the college level and beyond what skills should, should those players and coaches really be concentrating on?
1: Uh, you know, at, at that level, I, I think, it, obviously, it's, it's going to go into uh, your basics of passing, ball handling, shooting, right? And then, uh, to me, uh, being being able to move a certain kind of way. You know, there's this – I talk about movement a lot because I feel like uh, that that's the, the end-all of, of, you know, any situation, whether it's, uh, you know, selling your pump fake Uh, hitting the crossover, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, I think it's important for for players to understand, you know, how their body moves and looks, you know, not only on the right side, but then on the left side. Can you jab right foot? Well, then let's see if you can jab left foot and make it look the same, you know, because you'll see a big difference, you know, for players that, Mm -hmm. you know, are righties love to jab right, and then they they start to put their whole foot down, and it looks awkward going left. So I said, you know, get in front of a mirror and and see yourself, you know, and, and mimic the way the elbow comes down, mimic the way your body shifts, and I think once players get more and more comfortable with their overall movements, I think it, it makes a huge difference, especially for players that are trying to change positions, you know, trying to get a, a four-man that's trying to become a, a wing player or a shooting guard that's trying to become a point guard. And you know, there's certain certain uh, attributes or, or things that, you know, coaches will look at, and it's all predicated on, on the movement, you know, because you can get, you know, the five all the way down to the one, come on the court, and uh, all of them can probably do a crossover, but only a few of them, you know, are going to look a certain way when they do it, you know, or or, or step back or whatever. So I think it comes down to, you know, that eye test a lot of times for players. You know, when a when coach is looking, he's got three or four minutes to evaluate talent on the basketball court. And I think that that's what it comes down to a lot of times. Um, and that, like I said, obviously shooting – is at a premium right now in the NBA, you know, just the way, you know, Golden State has been playing and mm-hmm. you know, if you look at teams trying to spread the floor, I think it's uh, you know, super valuable if you if you can knock down a shot. You know, I don't care if it's off the dribble, uh catch and shoot, you know, just being able to, to You'll get to the free throw line and make your free throws. Um, you know that's just a, a valuable asset these days. And so I think uh, players, you know, once they they keep developing their overall skill sets, I think they have to look at it and say, okay, what where do I see myself um, at the next level? How do I fit um, a specific role for my high school team uh, or my middle school team? you know what what are they lacking and and can can I serve that? And then once you decide, all right, I can serve that. Then you can branch out and expand your game even more because now you're on the basketball court. You know, now you're able to, you know, be put in situations where you can show some of the other things you've been working on. But you know, what people I got to understand is like, if if I go on, you know, San Antonio Spurs, I've, I've got to be able to figure out. Okay, well, they've got guys here that that score. They've got guys here that that could defend this, that, and third. I've got to figure out. What are they deficient in, or where where is my strength lie that that can help me at least go in mm-hmm. a few minutes and then develop my my repertoire from there? And I think that's what a guy like Kawhi Leonard's done so well. You know, he came in the league and he was more of a, a defensive guy, right? And obviously the two-time yeah. defensive player of the year. But you know, now he's he's a legitimate threat. You know, pretty much everywhere. You know, and people didn't know he could he could shoot the way he does. You know, and I know we have Chad Force here here now who did a tremendous job with him. You know, getting his three-point shot. You know, at a really high clip, and uh, he was one of the best percentage guys in the league last year. So it's just you see guys that are able to each year, you know, add one thing or two things to their repertoire, and I think that's important for players, um, you know, to to figure out. Uh, the other thing is just to figure out how to get to your spots. You know, where where is, you know, your your spot in the court that you like to make shots, and then what what drills are you doing, and what what skill sets, you know, what what moves can get you to that spot, you know, so that even if the other team knows uh, uh, TJ likes to go, you know, right-hand, dribble, pull-up, they still can't stop it, you know. And so to me, that's, that's a true definition of greatness is, uh, you know, knowing what somebody's strength is and preparing to stop it, and you still can't. <laughs> so, you know, I think once, you know, once, once guys figure that out, you know, and they're actually uh, okay with that, you know, I, I always tell my players, I said, if you if you can get 10 righty layups in a game, and get yourself 20 points and do it, you know, once they stop it, then you can, then you can give them something else. But, you know, I think too many times today, you know, players will make one, one move that's pretty basic and then they go to something completely different, you know, just out of the blue, you know, I'm always a big proponent of, you know, just go at them with that same series until they stop it. And then Mm -hmm. from there, you can hit them with a counter move, and then, you know, all the progressions and all the different counter moves that you have set up through your training will be there for you. You know, without you having to think about it, it's going to be there. But I think that's the biggest difference between uh, players, the majority of them, who telegraph what they're going to do, and the better ones that actually choreograph what they're going to do. You know, they they say, okay, I've got these in my bag, and they kind of have, they're still thinking steps ahead uh, but they're not going to go to those until, you know, you stop the initial. And so I think that that's huge for, for young players to figure out. It's like, hey, I don't need all these different moves yet. You know, I'm going to show it when I when I need to. And then if I can score 25, 26 points um, on the most basic of plays, then at the end of the day, that's, that's exciting to look at in the box score. You know, just because you hit – uh, you know, 360 layup, and you ended up with six points, you know, in the game. <laughs> you know, again, that doesn't look exciting on the box score, but some players are happy with that. You know, They have that one highlight clip, but at the end of the day, that's not going to get you to where you want to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think sometimes I, I see a lot of players, especially younger players, they they try to do the Euro step all the time. hmm um, and that's one of the moves I think that that sometimes players try to overuse. They're trying to have that 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 flash or or that that highlight move, like you said, when they can just very easily just lay the ball up on the right side or the left side. But they want to come right. down and make that move to make it look good when they're actually making the move or or making the shot more difficult because they're not making the correct read. It's just they're just coming down and yeah. just wanting to make that make that move. So. Yeah, I see that a lot with uh, with a lot of young players. Um, Coach, I got one more question for you. Yep. And if you can just kind of let the coaches and, and the players know, what is the mindset of the NBA players that you work with that's on the Magic when it comes to skill development? How serious do they take it? Um, how Kind of high intense are the players when, when they're doing it? Um, how important it is to them? Uh, just kind of giving them a little insight on on how the players uh, take skill development at the NBA level.
1: Yeah, I think uh, nowadays uh, the NBA is getting younger and younger, and so I think a lot of the uh, the players that are coming in, you know, have already established training habits. You know, working with specific trainers. Um, you know, so again, that's part of uh, the mindset now of a, of a player. Now, is their their expectation is that they should be training or they're going to be behind the eight ball so uh that that to me is exciting you know and and that gives me an opportunity now especially before when I was working with players I was just watching games hoping that 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 one player did well uh now I'm fortunate enough to be a coach and you know whatever training that I do I I needed to translate over again to them playing well but for the team to overall you know have that success and, and it's cool to be a part of the competitive side of things now as well so i can you know tie in the player development with the coaching and to me it's been the best of both worlds you know it's been a good change for me but uh, i think these guys like i said they're they're into it um just like anything else you know you've got a lot of different personalities um so i think it's important to understand you know what guys you know looking to focus on what motivates them you know those are uh Usually, uh, two of the questions you know I have, you know, and 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 what what their overall goal is for, for the upcoming season, and um, and then from there, you know, try to uh, devise a plan, you know, and a program based on you know what they want to work on because I think that's important. I think it's a, it's a very important to collaborate. Especially, you know, with the the NBA guys, and and I even I even used to do it with with the younger players to let them know that their input is important, and uh, you know, say, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. Now, if it's a if it's a starting center who's telling me they want to work on their handles, uh, you know, so we'll 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 give them we'll throw some of those things in there, we'll throw them a bone or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, mm-hmm. you know, you build up that trust level where they they like it, they're feeling good about the workout, and then you give them what they need. You know, so I think it's very important to. You know the most important thing to me about skill development is the relationship, and and once people realize that, you know, you're in it for their best interest, you know, you usually have uh, a lot more of of their concentration and uh, you know the, a lot more of their attention to to detail to to what you're trying to do because they realize okay, you know, Jay wants what's best for me, and um, I think that's been the most important factor. You know, for for me coming into this situation is uh, again having a background. Um, with everybody, I'm talking girls, boys, different age groups, uh good players, bad you know um mm-hmm. guys that that weren't as skilled, and then you know different attitudes that were difficult that weren't so difficult so i I feel like i it's really prepared me. Um, for every type of, you know, person that you get. You're going to get the people that are going to try to overanalyze. Anything. Well, why am I doing this? You know, every every almost every drill. You've got the other guys that, you know, maybe are a little bit lazy They're taking too long to get from drill to drill. <laughs> you know, there's mm-hmm. other guys that are super intense that you need to dial back. You know, so I think it's just understanding all the different types of personalities and all the different types of uh, players that you're going to get when they train, you know, how they train and how you can, you know, kind of motivate them or, you know, how you can talk to them to, to let them know, well, it's not just about today, you know, we're looking at, you know, what, what we have for a progression for next week. And, you know, the fact that it's a long season, you know, these are the, the areas that, that we need to to hit. And this is the progression that I put together for you so that you're reaching your full potential, you know, by the time training camp hits and then by the time the season hits. So, um, you know, so I, again, from, from what I've seen and the, the, the guys that are around the league that are, that are doing player development and the coaches that are working with the players, it's, um, it's, Super valuable, you know, because now, from a management standpoint, they're looking at it, saying, you know, these guys are getting better. They're they're guys that we can, you know, see do big things for our team, and then down the line, you know, certain, they, they 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 got value because now if a guy can can be traded, you know, for something else that that we might need, you know, that that adds value, you know. So I think um, you know our position. You know, in the NBA, has has definitely been elevated based on you know the the youth movement of younger and younger guys coming in, and um, you know having to you know develop them quickly, not only from a standpoint of skill development, uh, individual skill development, but overall how that incorporates into the team concept. So, uh, it's exciting. Like I said, it's exciting times for you know for skill development. It's exciting times for skill development. You know, at the younger levels because basically. You know, but th- that foundation is going to be set, and, you know, those guys that are really trying to, uh, from a training standpoint, get to the next level, whether that- that's trying to get to college or-, or to the pros, I think it's important to um, let your body of work speak for itself, and that, that comes down from-, from the way the guys are trained and-, and what they're doing. And I know that's that was something that I didn't talk about before in the intro, but that that's what helped me, you know, get to this level was, uh, you know, being able to work with a number of guys throughout pre-draft process um, that were – coming into orlando you know because there was a, a number of years here that there was um uh, you know they were, had multiple lottery picks and they would ask one of the major questions they ask is you know so where are you spending your time you know who are you working with and you know my name kept coming up and you know fortunately for me tobias harris was already here and um you know it was just one of those things that just like one thing led to another and you know that that's that to me is is what i what i'm kind of you know very appreciative of, about and uh, i feel blessed is you know that i was put in, in a good situation and i always say when you do things the right way it takes longer to succeed but it lasts longer when you do and mm. i think a lot of players you know a lot of players and coaches um they try to short the process and you know like from my standpoint it, it's hard for me to give advice necessarily on um you know the journey aspect of things because I wasn't the guy that was going to Vegas and networking I wasn't I didn't hand hand in a resume uh to the, any of the NBA teams you know it just was something that you know they kind of found me through you know the work that was being put in and I I always told our players everybody in our program that it's a testament to you know everybody, because you know they looked at it not just as like a, a kids' program, but they looked at it as a as a program. You know, and I think when you when you can do that and you can get away from just you know age groups or you know just trying to be um, you know one guy's guy. You know, I think mm-hmm. you'll you'll see that one thing leads to another. You know, all of a sudden a guy goes and he's a walk-on at a major university, and he's bringing. You know his good friend or his roommate over, who happens to be a top ten pick. You know, in the next year's <laughs> draft or the year after. Yeah. You know, it's just weird, crazy how those things happen, right? And but it's if you do right by everybody, uh, you'll 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 see the benefits, not only professionally, but I just think relationship wise. You know, I still think in constant contact with all of my players. I mean, I get text messages and 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 just people hitting me up a lot about not only basketball, but can I use you as a reference for this or so that. And to me, that's exciting. You know, to to you know, ten years from now, I have you know a bunch of my players now that are lawyers or director of of, of marketing in different places, and and you start to see the success factor, and they, they equate a lot of that with, you know, the time that they spent with you as a trainer, and mm-hmm. it goes way beyond basketball. So that that's that's the coolest yeah. thing about what we do.
0: Yeah, yeah, building those relationships and getting to know people, because I I know basketball has allowed me to meet a lot of people and. And and spend time with people that that I probably never would have got a chance to meet or interact with. Um, Right. You know, it's it's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, uh, Mark Adams, which is a trainer out of North Carolina, he's he's always talking about how the ball has magic. And it can take yeah. you different places and you can meet different people and build relationships. And so it's it's a wonderful thing. I, I love what I do. And, and, and just from talking with you and I know this is something that you love and, and passionate about. And when you have trainers like that, that's really passionate about it and doing things the right way. It just it, it makes the game so much, so much, so much better, so much more fun. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate nah, you. you said
1: it. You know the the fun part is. No, that, I'm sorry about that, but the, the fun no, part to me is is it's got to be it's got to be grade A number one. You know, yeah. I think uh, yeah. I think a lot of times when people are training and, and everything is so serious all the time, that mm-hmm. uh, you lose that aspect of it, and that's the one thing that even you know a couple of years now into the NBA, I still you know try to pinch myself. I try to say, you know what, this is how good do you have it? This is really cool. (laughs) You get to come into the arena every day, go see games, and, and, you know, how many people would die to be, like, courtside to go get to watch some of the best players in the world. And I think, you know, that's the aspect that um, most people end up getting jaded over the course of time. And, you know, sometimes you need a reminder or a refresher. But uh, for for trainers and players, you know, I think it's it's very important for them to, to have that fun, to have that interaction and enjoy the process.
0: Yeah, yeah, enjoying the process. Well, Coach, man, I really, really appreciate you coming on here and and sharing a lot of your uh, knowledge that you gave us, and um, you know, and, and giving us your time because I know time is real valuable, and I know that you guys uh, have a busy summer um, and and you got a lot of things that you could be doing. So to take a little bit of your time to to, to share some of your expertise is, is uh, means a lot, and we we do, we truly appreciate it. All so, all
1: right, like I said, I appreciate it.
0: So if uh, you know, if there's anybody out there that wanna follow you on social media or interact with you on social yep. media, uh, where can they find you at?
1: Yeah, um, they can find me. It's uh, at Rep Your Work. So uh R. E. P. Your Work, Rep Your Work, um on Twitter or Instagram and you know, on there, you know, usually I try to put Uh, A couple of things, you know, here and there about not only my life, you know, because I think it's important to be balanced. So it's not all basketball, you know. I know a lot of some trainers, you know, that they put basketball every day. I like to mix it up and, um, you know, kind of share my overall experience of some of the places that we're at. Um, you know, times that I've had and then, you know, incorporate a couple of drills, you know, in there as well, you know, for people to have and just little nuggets for them to take with them and and challenge themselves and have some fun with. So, um, yeah, anybody that's out there that's looking to, you know, see what it's like and and what what, what I have going here, um, they could definitely follow me on, on, on Twitter or Instagram. That'd be great.
0: Well, that was it. That was the interview that I did with Coach Jay Hernandez of the Charlotte Hornets. At the time when I interviewed him, he was the assistant coach for the Orlando Magic and just been able to take some time out to, to visit with me and, and share some really great information and give some great knowledge and some insight of kind of what he does. And his philosophy is very, very valuable. So I hope everybody that was listening, got some good notes. I know this episode is a little bit longer than then I, I typically try to keep it, um, but, hey, I think it was worth it. But before I let y'all go, I just want to remind y'all, be sure to follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at NBNBball. On LinkedIn and Snapchat is Coach TJ Jones on Facebook. If you're interested in, in uh, liking my Facebook Facebook page, it's NBN Basketball. Also on YouTube, uh, I have some, some video and some different content on YouTube, um be sure to search nothing but net bball on YouTube it's nothing but net B-Ball. also my website nbnbball.com. that's n b n all of my podcast episodes are on my website and what i've actually done is um when you go to my homepage when you when you type in nbnbball.com, my um podcast page is now my home page so when you click on it all of my podcast episodes are right there um so the latest episode of course is going to be at the top left uh you can click on it or you can just go through and see any of the interviews i've done in the past any of the episodes you might have missed so be sure to go to my to my website and you can uh uh, hear all of my podcasts i've done um and speaking of my podcast, be sure to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our show and just share it with the people in your circle of influence. Uh, but also, I really, 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 really appreciate a five star review on iTunes. That's where more people can hear about the show. Um, But we can also be found on on Stitcher, Google Podcasts and Spotify. And as more people starting to listen. I appreciate that. I appreciate y'all. Um, sharing on 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 uh, Twitter, um, you know, retweeting some tweets that I have because um, I want more and more people to know about the show and listen to it. And um, so I appreciate it. And also one one last thing before you go, um, make sure to check out my latest blog. Um, my latest blog is five tips on how to persevere. Five tips on how to persevere. So when you go to my website, it's available at my website, nbnbball.com. Just click on where it says Skill Development Playbook at the top of the page and then select Blog. And once you select Blog, it'll be the first blog entry at the top left of the page. So go to nbnbball.com, select Skill Development Playbook, select Blog, and then my latest blog would be at the top left corner and that's five tips on how to persevere well i appreciate y'all and until next time thank you god bless welcome everybody to the skill development playbook podcast i am your host coach tj this is season three episode number 18 and today we're going to talk about seven shots every player should master that's seven shots every player should master um When I'm working with players and we talk about shooting, I always share with them these seven shots that I feel like they need to master. Um, So, typically when I'm working with a kid, I always ask them what is the most fun part of basketball. And for the majority of the answers I get, they say shooting. Every once in a while, I get some different things. Some players like dribbling, some like uh, passing. And the ones that really can't play offense, they typically say defense is, their, is, the, is the part that they enjoy the most. Um, but most people that play basketball, most kids that participate, they, love to, they like to shoot the ball. Um, but it also depends on their confidence. But anyway, a lot of times when I ask kids what is the most fun part of basketball, they tell me shooting. And then I follow that up with a question and say, okay, well, what if you are 0 for 10 from the field? Or if you shoot eight or nine times and you only make one shot, I say is, is shooting still fun. And then they look at me and they say, "Oh, well, I guess the most fun part is making shots," and that is. Um, everybody can shoot, but really for it to for you to really enjoy, it has you have to be able to make some shots. So, to me, the most fun part, and what I try to get them to understand, the most fun part is making shots. A lot of players love Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Damon Lillard and players like that they can, you know, really put the ball in the basket. And they wouldn't like those players if they couldn't shoot. If they couldn't make shots, I should say. So, to me the most fun part of playing basketball is making shots. So, um I say that to say that I try to tell players You want to be a consistently good shooter, a consistently good shooter. And in order to do that, it takes two things. Number one, you have to have proper form and technique. And I won't get into what exactly is proper form technique. I'm not going to get into how your feet are supposed to be, whether it's square to the rim or at an angle, or if you're supposed to jump straight up, straight down or sway and all these different people have different techniques and philosophies. I won't get into all that. But I do know you have to have proper form and technique and you have to get in reps, reps upon reps upon reps. And the thing about reps is you can actually um, have your block shooting where you're consistently shooting the same shot over and over again, where you're standing in the corner and catch and shoot 10 times, go to the wing, catch and shoot 10 times, go to the elbow, catch and shoot 10 times. Or it could be a shot off the dribble. Or a shot off a screen, or whatever, it, or whatever it could be, um, and you're just doing that same technique over and over again. So, you know, and you're gonna see some improvement, but that doesn't that doesn't guarantee that it's gonna transfer over to a game, which is something else I could talk about, but we won't get into that today either. Um, so I just know that you got to have good form and technique, and you got to have in, you got to get in the reps, you got to put in the time. To be a consistently good shooter. And when I say consistently good shooter, what I mean by that is if I asked a, a player of mine can to come in on any given day and shoot 10 shots from the elbow or the wing or the corner, can you consistently make six or seven shots? Okay. Can you consistently make six or seven shots? And I'm talking about the average you know 5th 6th 7th 8th maybe even a high school kid can you come in on a consistent basis on any given day and make 6 or 7 shots okay and i think if you do that then you're you you're a consistently good shooter and um, but then also at the same time those 7 shots that you make out of 10 and and that's out of 10 not just shooting till you make 7 but out of 10 um Can you consistently make that shot when you're open in a game? Okay. And then you're known as a consistently good shooter. So I tell players this all the time. You want to be such a good shooter that when you go into the gym to play basketball with your friends or whatever, they don't want you to warm up. That's how good of a shooter you you want to be. And um, when, when you go into a gym and you're going to play and you're getting ready to, hey, guys, let me get a couple shots warm up let's say you you walk around before they got ready to play and and the the players that you're playing against like nah don't let them shoot don't let them shoot that tells me that you're a good shooter and not only do you know it, but your your peers know okay all right so let's get into it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna keep y'all long. we're gonna try to make this thing short but let's get right into it these are seven shots every player should master and i will say this one more thing before i really get into this um, the game of basketball has really changed over the last 20 to 25 years. Uh, over the holiday break, over the Thanksgiving break, uh, I got a chance to catch up with a, uh, a friend of mine from, from high school. We played high school ball together, and we were just talking about how the game has changed so much, how bigs are now asked to handle the ball more and shoot more shots from the perimeter, and, um, you know, it's more positionless and we kind of have a, a little bit of a different thought process or philosophy on today's game. He's a bit more old school than I am. Um, I enjoy today's game. I'm, I'm accepting it a little bit more, uh, but he's a little bit more, little, little bit more old school. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and that's the thing. Basketball can be played in so many different, different ways. Um, but I know that some of these shots that I'm going to talk about today, uh, you wouldn't dare have a big do 25 years ago. But now in today's game, you can have guards and bigs work on the same skills. Uh, you know, of course, there're going to be some things that a big is going to be re- be required to do a little bit more of than your guards, um, but in, in different areas of the game, and they're going to be. Certain things that a guard is going to be able to excel a little bit better than a big, but you know, right now is you know, everybody's doing the, doing the same skills, so so I think that's that's something that's very interesting about how the game has evolved. All right, so let's get into this real quick. Uh, seven shots every player should master. Number one is catch and shoot or spot up jump shots, catch and shoot or spot up jump shots. Okay, now. I heard something very interesting, and I I can't take. I'm not trying to take credit for this. I I'm not sure exactly where I heard it. I believe it was on another podcast, and they were talking about how so many NBA players, they 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 uh, some of the role players, they get a lot of their shots off of spot ups. You know, and, and so what happens is a player would drive, and there's a kick, um, there's a closeout on the initial kick. And then there's that extra pass. And then that player is typically already stationary, already spotted up, and they can catch and shoot. Um, now, again, this kind of goes into block shooting, um, to work on spot spot up shooting or to catch and shoot. And when I say catch and shoot, I, I know there's different ways you can catch and shoot, but I'm talking about you're in a stationary position. You're waiting on the ball to come to you, catching and you shooting. You're going to do a lot of block, block shooting and where you're going to go 10 shots from the corner, 10 shots from the wing, 10 shots from the elbow, you know, 10 shots, uh, front rim. Um, and then on the other side of those same positions, I just mentioned, elbow, wing and corner. Um, so you're going to get those. And and I think uh, if you ever, and here's a tip for any players that's out there, when you are uh, learning or enhancing your skill when it comes to shooting, whether you're uh, improving your form or whether you're just really honing in on your technique, you're going to have to get in some reps. You're going to have to get in some catch and shoot to make sure that you're shooting the ball the correct way. So there's nothing wrong with block shooting. There's nothing wrong with standing in one spot and shooting 10 or making 10 or making five or shooting five. Um... Just know you don't want to do that too much all the time. That's not the only way that you want to shoot. And I have a lot of kids that I, that I work with that come to me, and, and I could tell right away how they how they work on shooting because it's usually standing in one spot, somebody throws it to them, and then they shoot. They don't do any other kind of shooting, uh, which is actually a mistake. So seven shots every player should master. Number one is catch and shoot. So, if you're a guard, you want to be able to catch it off the swing. Um, If you're a post player, it could be the same thing. It could be a pick and pop. All right. Uh, But you want to be able to catch and shoot the basketball. Okay. All right. Number two, seven shots every player should master. Number two is on the move or off penetration. On the move or off penetration. So, if you are a guard and... And uh, if you're a guard, if you're a wing and there's penetration, you know, if there's somebody driving baseline and you're on a on a weak side wing, then you're going to have to drift down to the corner. So that's a shot that you're going to have to work on drifting to the corner. Uh, And also, if you're in the corner and there's penetration, um, you're going to have to lift. You know, so just being able to move. Off of penetration to different parts of the floor, being able to be ready to catch and shoot. Okay, so you you and and one way to do that is if you're if you're a player, um, the basic type of movements of penetration is you know wing the corner, and then you can do corner to uh, uh, to wing. So just kind of thinking about different ways that the ball they could be penetration with the ball. And how you can move in relation to that penetration. Now, if you're a post player. And well, let me say this. If you ever get caught on the block and there's penetration, you have to know where to go. So I don't I I say a post player, but it's not just for post players. So if you're on the block for whatever reason uh, and there's penetration middle, then, you know, you need to flatten out to the short corner. If you're on the block and it's penetration baseline, you know, you can come up, you can make an eye cut up to the elbow, or you could go front rim, okay? It just kind of depends on, you know, the person that's down there, their ability, their skill, um, but but you have to know where to move on penetration. Now, the reason why I say it's not just for post players is because if a guard penetrates, if I penetrate... Um, to the middle of the floor. Okay? And I pass it out to the to the wing opposite to the weak side wing. And I continue my cut. Let's say I end up right around the block area and there's penetration. If there's another penetration off the closeout, I gotta know where to relocate. I can't just occupy that space because of spacing. Um uh, uh I could I could clog up the spacing and and, and then we can have some extra defenders that we don't need there. So we have to know where to relocate. So it's not just for post players when there's penetration. As a as a, as a a guard, when you drive and you kick, you're going to have to know where to exit, okay? All right, so seven shots every player should master. Number one is catch and shoot. Number two is on the move. Number three is out of transition. Teams are getting it, and they're playing faster. If you look at the NBA and the pace of the game, as many points teams are scoring now, these guys are getting it and going. Um, you're seeing it more in college, too. Uh, when a team score, they're not throwing the ball to the point guard, and the point guard is, you know, quote, unquote, walking it up the court. These guys are getting it out, and they're going quick, and they're, and they're really playing at a high pace, and they're really paying, playing quickly, a lot quicker. So if you are a big, if you are a wing, or if you are a ball handler, you have to be able to shoot out of transition running the floor wide, getting to your spots, catching and shooting. Um, if you're a big, getting to your spot. So it's a lot of different things that you can do out of transition, but you want to be able to shoot the basketball off of this. And, and if you're in high school, middle school, college, or any level, uh, think about your, your secondary fast break. Where could you get your shots? What type of actions do you perform? And then you can work on those out of transition. All right, number four, off screens. And and we're going to talk about the person that's receiving the screen right uh, first. So if you are receiving a screen and you have to think about having a hard curl to the basket, a hard curl to your spot, whether it's the elbow or the wing, um, do you fade, do you pop, you know, uh, all these different things that you could do off of a screen to get your shot. So you would think about those, doing from different areas, different spots on the floor. It could be a down screen. It could be a flare. Um, you know, it could be a wide pin down. Uh, just different screens that you can receive uh, to be able to, to, to get into your shot. So you want to be able to shoot off screens. Now, if you're a big – oh, I'm sorry. I got to quit saying that. Not necessarily a big – but if you are setting the screen, you also have to be able to shoot off of setting that, that screen. So if I'm setting the screen, a general rule is one player to the basket, one player to the perimeter. Okay, It's just a general rule. It, that's, that's not saying that you have to do that, but that's just a general rule. One player to the basket, one player to the rim. I'm sorry, one player to the to the basket or rim, one player to the perimeter. So if I'm setting a wide pin down, and uh, that player comes off, and and they go hard to the wing or to the elbow or, or wherever they're going. I want to go now to the basket. Okay, typically that's what you that's what's something you want to think about. It doesn't mean you have to. That's it, you know doesn't mean it that, that's the rule and you have to do that. But it's just something for you to uh, uh, to think about. It's just something for you to think about. Okay. Um, but that's all going to come down to, um, what it is that your coach wants you to do, but, uh, being able to do that and understand that will help you. Okay. All right. Seven shots. Every player should master. Number one, catch and shoot. Number two, on the move. Number three, transition. Number four, off of screens. Number five is off the dribble. Everybody should be able to shoot off the dribble nowadays. Everybody. Okay. Um, and when I say off the dribble, typically first thing that comes to mind is somebody t- Somebody thinks, oh, you got to be able to come down, go in and out, cross, double behind the back, step back, hezzy, cross over into a pull-up. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, when I say everybody should be able to shoot off the dribble, whether you're a big, a wing, or a point guard, um, you, you have to be able. I feel like the two shots that you have to be able to master off the dribble is a one-and-two dribble pull-up. If you guys go back, if anybody go back and look at Michael Jordan's highlights, he scored a lot in the mid-range, either off of posts or off of one-and-two dribble pull-ups. That's what he did. A lot of them. Yeah, I was watching, I was on Instagram the other day, and, and um, I followed this account, I think it's called Old School B-Ball or old school basketball and it shows a lot of old highlights of different players back from the nineties. And um, they were showing, they were showing MJ It showed a couple of clips of MJ and uh, a player was guarding him. He had it when he got ready to attack hard, two dribbles to the right, pull up bucket. Uh, MJ will go hard, two dribbles to the left, pull up bucket. And Kobe did the same thing. You know, Kobe, Copy MJ's game, uh, but you know, it's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, but you know, one hard, one hard dribble, two hard dribbles, pull up. I think that's a, that's something that you that you have to master, even if you are a big. You know, you you pick, you pop, that guard throws it back to you. There's a hard closeout. You're gonna have to be able to take a one or two dribble pull up. And nowadays, that one dribble pull-up can be a sidestep for a three-pointer. But you have to be able to get some type of se- separation off of a closeout to where you can get into your shot, okay? So off the dribble. And, and again, off the dribble may be coming off a screen, running through the catch, taking one dribble, pulling up a shoot. It doesn't mean you have to make all these different dribble moves, these fancy moves, to get your shot off, okay? But you, you want to be able to shoot off the dribble all right number six seven shots every player should master number six in the lane or at the rim if you're a guard you have to be able to finish in the lane off of one foot or off of two feet and over a big or over a rotational defender so you have to be able to attack you have to be able to get into the lane you're gonna to have to be able to finish in traffic over bigger defenders um and you're gonna be able to you have to be able to finish at different speeds i was telling a, a a guy that's just last night just yesterday was at the gym we was we were working on some stuff, and he was doing some one on one and uh, he never changed and that's something i've been he's been struggling with is changing speeds you know he he feels like everything has to be a hundred miles an hour, but anyway, he'd get into the lane and he wouldn't score at different different speeds, different pace he wouldn't change up his pace. And he would miss some of his shots. So, you know, as a guard, especially a smaller guard, you have to be able to finish at the rim at different pace and different speeds. If you're a big um, or a wing, sometimes you got to finish above the rim. You know, uh, can you take it up strong and and dunk it on a player or two? You know, uh, can you get to the rim and play through contact? So you have to be able to finish at the rim or in the lane. Um, And I know that's not a particular shot I guess you can say a jump shot but when you're in the lane you want to be able to finish okay and then the last one number 7 is free throws free throws i typically believe as a point guard you want to shoot i th- i i like for my point guards to shoot 80% or above um you know at at that point i think if you're shooting 80% you're really confident in your abilities um you know, you're going to have the ball a lot. It's going to be late in the game. You're going to make some decisions. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And so you want to shoot at a high clip to keep the other team from wanting to foul you. But then at the same time, you want to be able to keep that ball so you can go to the line and make free throws. But you want to be able to make your free throws. You want to make them at a high percentage. Um, you know, it, it, and that's the easy way to, to get your points up. <laughs> you know, if we want to talk about scoring average. But uh, being able to make make free throws. Now, these seven shots that I just gave you, you can some of these shots can go together. Okay, so you may combine two or three of these shots in a drill. So, for example, you may say, "Okay, I'm gonna work on transition shooting." So it may be where you sprint from half court to the wing, catch and shoot a three. But then the next time you may start at half court and you may sprint to the wing underneath the basket pause for a second and then come off of a a, a stagger simulator stagger screen for a catch and shoot three then the next time you may do the same thing but when, when you come off the stagger you may catch it and get into a one dribble pull up then the next time you may do the same thing but this time instead of shooting a one dribble pull up you may take two dribbles get into the lane and finish with some type of shot at the rim. So you can you can change these up. You can integrate them, you know, different skills or different shots into a different uh different type of drill. Um so you know it's just it's it's a lot of different things that you can do with these 7, but I think these are the 7 that you need. Okay? Now, these shots can be inside the three-point line or they can be outside the three-point line. And it just depends on what you want to do and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. But again, let's go over these one more time. Seven shots every player should master. Number one is catch and shoot. Number two, on the move. Number three is out of transition. Number four is off screens. Number five is off the dribble. Number six is in the lane or at the rim. And number seven is free throws. So that is it. So before I let you guys go, let me mention a few things to you number one, social media be sure to follow me on Twitter and instagram my uh handle is at n b n b and on and on twitter um I really try to give out some really good information um you know and and not all of it is mine. I feel like you know since I'm into skill development uh you know i I'm not afraid to share and and give from other great coaches or or some great information that I see. So I really try to put out some really good info. So be sure to follow me on Twitter. And I love engaging in conversation about basketball. So that's a great, great way to do that with me. So I'm always looking to chat and talk and discuss different things. Um on basketball specifically with skill development. So y'all be sure to follow me on Twitter or Instagram at NBNBball. I'm also on LinkedIn and chat uh, Snapchat. Uh, it's Coach TJ Jones on YouTube. Y'all be sure to follow me on YouTube. It's Nothing But Net Bball. My YouTube page is Nothing But Net Bball. Also, uh, this podcast can be heard on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google, podcast, Stitcher, and a lot of other uh, platforms, so I need y'all to be sure to subscribe, 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 and also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please give me a five-star rating and leave me a review. Um, I really want to get this this podcast out to as many ears as possible. Um, I, I've been looking at my stats. I'm slowly starting to grow, so I appreciate it. Um, if you listen to the, to the episode and you like it, you know, put it out there, you know, share it through whatever social media platform that you have. Let people know that you're listening. Um, if you have questions, uh, the best way to contact me is through email. If you have a specific question, something that's going to need a lot of feedback, email me at Coach TJ at nbnbball coach tj at nbnbball um you know and you can send me a message or send me an email and i get back to you and if it's just you know something real short and quick you know if you're on one of the social media platforms be sure to uh go ahead and send me a dm on on those platforms so that is it for today uh i appreciate everybody for listening You know, there are a lot of different, you know, podcasts. And and as far as I know, again, this is the only podcast you can listen to on skill development. Only podcast you can listen to on skill development. So I appreciate y'all taking the time to listen. And until next week, God bless.